Hello, my lovelies. You are now listening to The Vow, Voice of Women. The intention of this podcast is to empower women through sharing of real life stories. We have a fab lineup of inspiring, kick-ass, real, dedicated women. We're going to get down and dirty. What has made these women successful? What makes them tick? How do they handle conflict? And what might they eat in a day? So here we go. Thank you. (laughs) I'm really excited to have uh, Gloria here today. I have had the pleasure of getting to know Gloria over the last, I I don't know, year, two years. And uh, Gloria is a master financial advisor. And um, she has many designations in front of her name. Uh, I'm reading like five of them, uh, which usually means you're pretty good at what you do. And so, Gloria, let's just dive right into it. Uh, Give us your background and what led you into the industry that helps people manage their assets and money. Um, Interesting question. Um, I hadn't really thought about that very much, but my background, I think, comes from I was adopted by older parents who, unfortunately, my dad left the world when I was 16, and although my mother had handled the money, um, she totally froze during that period of time, and at 16, I was asked to handle all that without any assistance. I had no brother's assistance, and we had a very small family, and... um, Probably because I was also encouraged to be an independent person. My dad always said, thirst for knowledge and women can do anything, which was, again, kind of revolutionary at the time. Yeah, that is shocking. Mm -hmm. And so when I started listening to some of the um, solutions that were being presented and uh, realized that there was an assumption that women didn't know anything about this or they were in grief or they couldn't think, and so um, that was my first inkling. Didn't really register, but stuck in my head for sure. And then my mom left me uh, before I was even 30. So I was left with that same, saddled with the same situation again and again. And then um, I had a lot of friends ask me, how did I do that? And I realized that in the financial world, there wasn't really a manual to look after things. And I do look after financial assets, but the biggest part that I've developed over the last 25 years is financial planning. And that word is misused a lot. I've developed that because I have a very creative side. I took interior design first. I'm a map, but I also took honors math. So I tend to, and I did a lot of computer programming. And I realized that there really isn't a good financial plan or hasn't been a good financial planning approach in Canada to support families from A to Z. So for the last 25 years, I've been developing a financial plan and I've been using outside actual financial advisors because I've been focusing on how can I really create and immerse myself into finding the what and the why of what people do. And the what is, what are your goals? What really is important to you? And the why is, why are they important to you? Um, And if you don't know that about a a person, you can't possibly answer or 
give them a solution. And I think, unfortunately, we're very product-driven, particularly in the financial side. And so I've discovered that if I find out who they are, and I've had some clients for 20 years, um, I can really find solutions for them when they need it. And I, I've, I had a, a really dear, ultimately, friend and client die suddenly last year, and he was 45. And if we hadn't done this immersive, comprehensive planning for them, the family would have had to deal with that at the same time of this terrible tragedy. And so I think what I'm so proud of is I finally have discovered a really good method of doing financial planning for people. And now I found um, a, a company that has supported me and is developing a very bleeding edge of financial planning that we are launching in December. And I'm so excited about it because I just say we're now the living GPS that recalculates every single time and finds the solutions no matter what the situation. Wow. <laughs> That's, I'm, so I'm super intrigued. I'm like, ooh, tell me more. <laughs> and I, one, the one thing that really um, uh, strikes me is when we were standing, and I, I don't know if you're going to remember this, but we were in your home in the basement, and we walked down the stairs, and you were telling me how excited you were. And I think it was about this. And you were so excited that I was excited. And, mm. and I really felt that. And whenever I think of you... And what you do for a living, I I always say I live, eat, breathe real estate, and it's my passion. And I feel that that is exactly how you feel about the financial industry and really helping people. Like I feel like you really deep down, it's not just about you know the income. It's about I love helping people to be financially free, to not have worry, like you said. I mean, for that family to lose someone that young, and for them to walk into a plan that they didn't have this mess of finances to deal with, what a burden that would be lifted. I can only imagine what that was like for them. Absolutely, and I was the first person they called, which was such an awesome and um, a privilege to know that I was the first person they called. And um, I I was just so happy to be able to relieve them of that. And then, because what they had to deal with was enough. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely enough. And um, I've had that experience a few times, but this one was, was very, very sudden and, and, as you say, very young. So it was just even worse if yeah. they hadn't had that situation. Um, we have one of the lowest financial literacy, um, I guess, quotients in a lot of for first world countries. And I think our, you know, we've been working on that for a very long time. But particularly, um, I just read an interesting statistic around women too. That ninety percent of all women will handle find the financial situation in their lives, and I don't think people realize that, or women realize that. And I hadn't realized that. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, my mom handled the money, so I assumed women handled the money. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not always true. And if you, and I worked with my husband for years with contractors and over the years, more and more women were running their own businesses. So the neat thing about that was, is that I started dealing more and more with women that were ready to and accepting of the fact they were going to handle their own money. However, 
What I find also still very, very true is if someone goes through a sudden divorce and, and, and the, the, the woman particularly has never paid any attention or understood that it maybe might need to know what was happening in their family and they have rude awakenings often and or they're thrust into uh, having to deal with finances when they don't want to or a sudden death. Um, and I think that's what's really hard. It's very much like COVID's done for us. It's forced us into situations before we're ready or we never anticipated having to face. Mm -hmm. And that's the ones that are the most difficult. So I guess if we were going to pass a message on today, I would say, please, everybody, no matter what your situation, pay attention to your financial situation. You probably will be harnessed with it in some form and or maybe it might be of value to be interested in what's going on. That, that is great advice and that takes me back to my parents. My parents are in their mid-70s. They're still in the same house I grew up in. My dad has a business. He retired from the healthcare industry and they were over, I don't know, last year, and we were sitting at the kitchen table, I think it might have even been at Christmas, and I said, so do you guys, you guys have your wills, right? And they're like, yeah, we have our wills. And I'm like, well, mom, do you know where all the stuff is that if dad goes first, like, my dad pipes in, he's like, oh yeah, it's just in the filing cabinet downstairs. And my mom says, what filing cabinet? You know, like, it's just an example of it. I, I actually have to have another discussion with them this Christmas. I do see them more than Christmas. I see them quite often, usually. But it's, you know, because if my dad goes, if my mom happened to pass first, my dad would know everything because he's handled it all. But if my, if my dad goes first, then I'm going to be the one that is there looking through the filing cabinet to go through the wills and the finances. And I have to think that my parents aren't alone in that, that mm. there's, I mean, even when Chad and I went to go do our wills, our, the lawyer that did them said, you know, you would be surprised how many people your age don't have wills and even people with dependents Absolutely. don't have wills. And yeah. I have to be honest, it was a horrible process to go through, but, um, and I'm sure that that is very similar within finances and uh, you must see a lot of that. Yeah, 80%, I think of, uh couples that have minor children do not have wills wow. and I don't think anyone understands or knows the fallout from even Ugh. that um, that if you have two children that means two-thirds of your monies are put into trust for those children and the public trustee will will be your best wow. you'll have a constant conversation with them trying to have enough money just to keep things going and at age 18 that child then has full rights over that third and walks away with it and goes and buys a Ferrari <laughs> and then crashes it. Yeah. So uh, it, it's so important um, to just look after your affairs. And I, I don't know, there used to be kind of a feeling that if you did your wills, then you were creating your destiny in instantly. Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately, it's not an if, it's a when. Yeah. And talking about these subjects should be part of everyday conversation with a couple. Full financial disclosure and full financial planning is just so important, yeah. so important. Well, yeah. and you talk about um, you know, having these discussions. The other thing that I, that I wanted to, to bring up is I just ordered a book on, on Facebook and I couldn't find one in, in Canada that was really, I thought, as good. And it was, um, it was an author in, in the US, but it's about teaching your children about finances and it's basically 
Kid 101 of money and how money works. I literally, I was in bed at 11 o'clock the night before last and ordered it. And uh, what are your thoughts on that, Gloria? Because I often now, at my age, I'm 40, I hear more parents saying, why aren't we teaching our children in the schools? Like, let's, let's maybe like put calculus and algebra on the side. That's important. Okay, sure. But why don't we talk about money and how money works and what money does and what's passive income? And like, what are your thoughts on that? And why isn't our system doing that? Uh, it's an interesting question. I think it was thought it was a very private conversation. Um, I heard in a, I'll, I'll answer your question, okay. but one of the things I heard in a lecture not too long ago was <clears throat> traditionally um, older parents um, felt they would rather discuss their full sex life with you than they would actually disclose their financial situation. Wow. So that has been a cherished belief that we don't talk about that. Sex and money. Right. So if that's true, then we don't. And there's also been an assumption by our education system that your parents will teach you that. So it's not a very unified thought process, but that's really what was. So if your parents handle money well, traditionally, usually the kids don't do too badly. However, there's a whole bunch of people in this world that don't handle money well. And so that child will follow in that path. So two things we've always done is we've got a couple of books we hand out to parents that are for children particularly, and on our website, there's also a whole learning tool oh, for it. Okay. So if anybody wants to go, I don't know if I can... Yes, please. Oh, yes. mjwealth.ca, um, please go there. There's a whole thing in for children and a full work uh, workplace to work for children. What I find interesting is many of my uh, clients... Um, look at it and learn and go, oh, I better read this fast so I can answer my kids' questions. So it, it's, it's a very subtle way for me to get everyone to be a little bit more financially literate. Because mm -hmm. you're right, our financial literacy in Canada is very poor. Um, and it, I think it's been precipitated just by some older and traditional beliefs. Our education system moves slowly. Um, and it doesn't always keep pace uh, with what is true. I was thinking about that today, too, because my dad worked for an oil company, had a pension. They had a little savings account. All their benefits were for life for all your dependents. I was thinking, oh, how simple life was. I don't think there was a realization how much we'd have to look after our finances, how much we'd have to be making decisions around investments. Um, it just wasn't even in our thought patterns and that's in a very short period of time. Yeah. We are now using a lot of artificial intelligence for uh, our investments and for our planning because we can't keep up with the world. As I said, COVID has been a great teacher, if you see it that way, um, how suddenly things can change and how fast you have to know that solution can be found. So. I hope I answered your question, oh, but yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely, we need to start, like everyone has a credit card. What is a credit card? How do we use it? Yeah. Kids have no idea yeah. because their parents may or may not know how to handle That's that. That's right. Well, and I think for us too, we've really kind of brought it in with what we buy our kids because it got to the point where, you know, Ophelia would just be like, oh, well, I want this. Let's go to the store now and get it. And now those things are worked for. You have to do chores. 
We have a give, save, spend jar. So, you know, your allowance goes into a little bit of each. And so, you know, we're really trying to, and, and there, there was, we were out, I don't know, a while ago, I can't remember when, and I said something, oh, I loved, oh, I love this so much. And Ophelia goes, well, mommy, you can just buy it. And I said, well, no, Ophelia, I can't because mommy isn't buying anything like this now because I'm on like a no spending thing. And, uh, and I said, and when I, when I can buy these things again, I have to save for it. And you could tell she was processing, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I do believe that it starts when they're young and to foster those, um, uh, you know, learnings at a young age. And that's why I like about this process and the book that we give our clients. It's, um, age friendly. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to go on and yeah. take a look. So yeah. thank you. Yeah. So can you share with us, um, when you, when you work with just a single woman or maybe a woman that's been divorced, what are their main concerns when you're starting to work with them? And are their concerns different than men's or is it just a general finance is finance, same concerns? That's an interesting question. <laughs> um, I think I'll answer it a little bit more genetic. I think if someone hasn't dealt with money, the steps are pretty much the same. However, you're right. I think as we go through the process, and I don't know whether it's because we inherently have a bit of a nurturing, a little bit more of a nurturing nature, not saying that men don't, but in general. So I think we delve down. I think that's why the what and the why are so, so much more important to women. Like they need to know what am I doing? I think maybe we think a little longer term in general. And um, and the why, the value system is extremely important. I think women will not put up with, oh, you need to do this, this is why, because I know better kind of idea. I think those, I hope and pray those days are gone. <laughs> um, and um, I hear more from women that they want to know where their money is, are the com companies they're investing in, um, you know, really environmentally aware or labor aware, you know, aware of labor situations for that company and their manufacturer. We do a lot more investigation on that side of things for women than we do for men. Men will look at rates of return, that sort of thing, a lot more. Not saying that women don't, but I do think we delve down into what we're investing in a little bit more than men. And do you find, like, is your clientele then a, a pretty good split of women, men, families, or do you see that that is um, evolving and changing, say, even the last 12, 24, 36 months? That's an interesting question. I know, I threw that one in. <laughs> no, it's an interesting question. I would say initially, and probably based on just the way life was when I started doing this, um, we were in a more traditional environment of husband, wife, kids, probably wife worked part-time or stayed home. Um, so that would be where we started. Um, fortuitously, I was married to a chartered accountant who was asked about a lot of things and investments and stuff and attracted a lot of contractors. And the contractors were traditionally men um, in the oil patch particularly. And as times evolved, it's involved women who were looking after their own financial situations. And so I got exposed to that very early and realized they were a little different or they could do it, I guess. I know that sounds terrible, but we just hadn't really thought about it. And myself included, I, I had 
started off in a very traditional world and I was fortunately married to someone that could see that life was changing and I was changing and I was going to change no matter what. So, yeah, so, um, and now I have a lot of younger couples that life balance is extremely important um, with working and family, which I would say when I first started, it was, you know, you went to work and if you, you, know, you had kids or you know, family was secondary. Now it's very important to balance the two. And I think COVID again has been a, a stronger contributory piece to that. Because people have realized, I can work at home, mm -hmm. and I can figure this out, and then I can still take my kids for a walk in the park or, you know, whatever. And um, I believe very strongly that that will continue, and I like it. I think it's so much healthier, and I encourage that continuously. But then the solutions have to be really measured. And it was an anomaly many years ago for me to have one couple that every two years they take off six months and take their kids on trips and just wow. stop working. That was really unusual. But I learned how easy it was really to plan for. And I realized also that why don't we do that more? Why don't we have... And then I had a few contractors that lost their jobs in 2008 and took their families for six or eight months. And again, guess what? They survived because of a good plan. So I think there is a lot more realization that with planning, with organization, we can have it all. And we can look after self first. And the money will follow. Like, it shouldn't be the, the focus. Yeah, it shouldn't be money and then... Which traditionally is just the way North America works. I mean, it's work, work, work to live instead of live to work. And when I retire. Yes. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I think, again, probably because my dad, although my parents were a little older, he really was, it was always when I retire. Mm -hmm. He never got there. Mm -hmm. And um, he never enjoyed life. Yeah. He worked every day and constantly every day because when I retire, that utopia was going to show up. And um, you don't know that. Yeah. So. It's so true. Well, and I preach a balance and um, or wellness. I know balance is kind of a, you know, faux pas names for some people but I uh, I have a client and uh, he immigrated here from from India I'm not sure how old he was and he's married and they have a few kids and he's such a hard worker like the guy works like I think I work hard he works way harder than me and he's always seems like he has a lot of stress in his life and so I was I answer the phone when I'm running when I'm with my kids, when I'm dropping them off at school, when I'm on vacation. So he keeps calling me during all these times and he's asking me questions. And I say, I call him B. And I say, B, I said, you work so hard. You have to enjoy your life and you have to get out. And he said he used to work out a lot. And I said, well, why do you say used to? I said, you should get out because I said, B, you can't take all of this money when you're dead and you can't enjoy it with your children. So in the last six months, he booked a trip to BC. He is back working out again. He's been taking pictures and posting them on Instagram. And he's trying to put his kids in a better school. Like, I'm so proud of this guy because, and I'm not saying it was because of me. I think he had it in him. He just maybe needed a bit of a nudge, but he's enjoying life now because you can't take it with you. You know, I think planning is important and I think it's essential that we have a plan. But you still have to live life. And mm -hmm. to your point, I think that that is the blessing of COVID. I mean, uh, you know, with, with parents, even when I drop my kids off at school and pick them up, 
And I've always had the luxury of being able to do that, but a lot of parents haven't. But you see parents now that I know in the neighborhood walking their kids to school every morning and every night, they would have never have been able to do that before COVID because they would have had to been in their office at seven or eight or whatever. So I'm glad that you mentioned that because I do think that that's a real blessing. Well, I started out with um, putting it on my calendar. I blocked off my yoga classes. I blocked off my vacations. Yeah, I blocked off talking to a friend. I know that's... No, sometimes you got it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I've gotten in the habits. So I also changed my financial planning. So we have lifestyle expenses, which are the meat, you know, the bread and butter, all the stuff that we have to have, the essentials. But we block off vacation separately so mm-hmm. that people are aware of the time that they're going to spend and take and they can afford it, particularly contractors. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, when they aren't on a fixed income and they have paid vacations, think that if they're not working, they're not being paid. Um, we also have the lingerie drawer and the sandbox. So we have <laughs> a little bis- bit of money that we give ourselves permis- permission to blow on anything. Like if I really want, I'm a techie person, so if I want a new computer, it goes in that pot. And then I don't feel guilty about spending it. I give myself permission to reward myself for doing that and constantly do that. Um, and you're right. Um, and, and finding out that I really want my kids to have a better education. Okay, let's put private schools in there. That is a separate category or whatever it is. And I think we... The more you can put into that to know why all those things are important, then you get the goals are met. And I think what happens more times than not is people get paid and then they just pay their bills. And then if there's something left over, they go and buy it, but they feel guilty about it. So if with an organized plan of time and money, we can get the balance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think there's a lot of guilt around money and spending, and it's the shame. Like, I, when I think of, you know, a couple of the words, it's money and shame, or shame and guilt that people attribute to talking about money yep. for, for many. And so I think, you know, to your point, it, if you can allot those little, those little boxes or tubs, whatever, to put those in and you do it ahead of time, it takes that, that guilt away. So that's a, a great way to, to put it. So, Gloria, I want our listeners to get to know you a little bit. Um, so you're a firecracker. <laughs> I love that about you. Thank Where you. does this come from? And can you share with us a bit about your, you did briefly about your upbringing and your family. But let's let's get into that a little bit more. Tell us about your family even and, and what where did you get this, this fire in you? Um, as I said, I had a privilege of um, these parents uh, and my dad always told me I was chosen, which I found was a, a lovely word. Um, and many years later, I did by accident find out my whole... Uh, heritage, and I would have been in a completely different space. So I think what's lovely is I was given an amazing opportunity, and I, I guess managed to recognize it. But my dad um, wanted, as I said, he worked hard, but we had a great connection, and we did a lot of fun things at night. And so he taught me thirst for knowledge. He didn't have a lot of education by education standards, but we took a book and we read how to build an electric organ and because I played piano and so we built one. Or he ended up um, designing a distilling process of water and we actually sold that and unfortunately he died before it was patented because it was done without heat 
and no one's actually ever done it since. Um, but we, uh, I flew, we had, we had an airplane and we used to do aerobatics in it. And so I guess as long as I met my goals at night and got all my homework done, then we had a couple of hours to explore anything. Wow. And I think if everyone can always stay curious and stay learning no matter what, um, I know we hear kids all the time say, why am I taking math? Why am I taking whatever? Just look at it as new learning and all those sparks and all those little pieces that I've learned have served me well. I took interior design for a while and I took honors math. And so when I come to designing financial plan, I have a left brain and right brain piece that I get to put together. I wouldn't have done that if I hadn't stayed curious. So. I just can't tell anybody too many times if you know if you want to try photography go take a course if you love it great if you hate it okay try something else so I, I think my spark comes from just continuously staying curious about life because it's amazing mm, I love that the amalgamation of interior design and honors math. Oh, it sounds, I'd say beautiful, but that might be an overstatement, but it, it worked for you. <laughs> wow. Um, so tell us about your, your, you have children. Yes. Yes. And I know you're very proud of them. And they're like everyone's children, as opposite as they probably can be. Yes. I have a son who's a criminal lawyer and as robust and as flamboyant as they probably could ever be in life. Um, and I have a daughter who is so amazing and running an accounting firm, but very methodical, very careful, very organized, and um, still best friends. So, um, and four amazing grandchildren who are again the diversity of further generations. Um, and an ex-husband who's still a best friend. <laughs> I love that. I was hoping you were going to say it because if you weren't, I was going to. I mean, I have to share this. I, I, uh, I, I think you'll let, you'll, you'll allow me, but, uh, Gloria calls me, I don't know, it was in sometime in COVID a month or two months ago. And she's like, I need you to meet me over at my ex-husband's condo. He's coming home. He's going to have to self quarantine for two weeks and we need to take a look at this place before he gets back. And I'm like, pardon me. <laughs> So I met Gloria over there and we had a discussion and walked through and I just love that. That's another thing I love about you, Gloria. Like you guys are just, you're amicable. You've raised, the, raised these two beautiful children and here you are in life. Just, you know, you weren't, you know, you weren't meant to be married forever, but you, you have this friendship. And I think that that really also says something about you. And I love that. And we're kind of moving in together, but not... <laughs> I wasn't going to mention that, but I'm glad you did, because that's even more amazing. You're living up, he's living down. I mean, come on. Isn't, I, I really hope that our listeners can take something from this, that it may not be easy at the beginning of divorce, but no. there is hope. Yeah, there is hope. live together later in life, but in separate areas of the house. Um... I, I think what's cool about that is we actually took an example from one of my clients and I, I always learn from every client, every single client. And she had an amicable divorce. And so when Ken and I came to that understanding that that might be what was going to happen, we just sat down and pragmatically figured it out like a business thing before it got to be a problem. And we sorted it out. And um, I'm not saying there wasn't emotional, but yeah. 
But what was interesting is my son went through something like that later, and he said, I used you as a model. So he then has done that too. So I hope that ripple effect can continue. Um, And so I do feel that when you take some time to respond as opposed to react, um, we as human beings tend to make better decisions for ourselves. Respond versus react. That is so true. And, uh, you know, I think that that's, you know, it, I, I mean, thankfully, I've never been divorced, nor do I plan on getting divorced. But I, for, for our listeners out there, I think, you know, if you can take some of that emotion out of it. Now, you may, I mean, we, when I sit here, we have an, an accountant and a financial planner. So if you two couldn't work it out, I mean, it, the, 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 the hope is lost for everybody. But mm-hmm. I think it's a really good model for our listeners to hear that, that it is a, a possibility. And that must have made your life with and I, I don't know at what point you were divorced if you were still raising your kids but what how much that would have been easier if you're a raising children or even if they're older though to still have your family unit you don't lose that yes yeah, yeah. well and family is important to both of us and I guess we were fortunate we didn't have any major things going mm-hmm. on it was just we'd met very very young yes. in life and um so yeah, our children were grown. Yeah. So yeah, we had a little easier than some. Yeah, yeah. Gloria, what gets you excited about your career? Um, I think every time I hear someone say, "Wow, that's made such a difference." Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as I said, with this family, to be the first person to be called and to be brought into the fold in that moment was scary, awesome, and and a privilege. Um, but really we've made, I've made a lot of difference in people's lives and I didn't appreciate that, you know, cause when you first start out, you're, you're just starting out, mm-hmm. but as time evolves and you see, and they go, yeah, our kids got to go to university cause you really made, you know, it was important that we save for education and we did save for education cause you nagged us. Um, I've been told I'm the pit bull with lipstick. I'm, 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 oh, I'm, I like that. I'm a little bit tenacious on encouraging people to stay on course with what they've told me is important if it isn't important anymore tell me you know but if they've told me it's important we encourage them strongly to stay on course (laughs) so i'm hearing um, a level of accountability you're providing your clients yes (laughs) (laughs) which some people like and some people don't and they don't always stay working with me if that's the case because honestly it's easy to say what you want to do but to honestly do it is a different thing Mm -hmm. and if somebody really i'd never give someone advice i only guide them into into what they've told me they want um, I start off every conversation with that. If someone comes to me and say, tell me what to do, I'm like, I can give you education, I will give you guidelines, and at that point you tell me what fits you. And a lot of advisors don't do that. They tell you what to do, that's fine. I don't feel that serves anyone well. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, anyway. Uh, Gloria, who inspires you from maybe on two levels, a business level, if you have somebody that's inspired you in your career, and on a personal level? Who inspires me? My kids inspire me. My clients inspire me. I learn, as I said, I learn from every single client. I learn from my kids. I learn from my grandchildren. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I think every opportunity. Um, and I learn in my quiet times because I do a lot of meditation 
and soul searching to really feel inside that I'm on the right track too. And that's really important. Um, I've been very fortunate to travel around the world and, and be exposed to just about every cultural, religious background, and I've studied them as I've done that, and I, I get a little pieces of every one of them, and, and ironically, they're all very much the same if you get down to the essence. But yeah, just life. Um, mm -hmm. Pay attention and hear what's going on. Mm, that's great yeah. advice. What would you tell the younger Gloria today if you could go back in time? What I tell, oh, I wish I knew. I, I watch my grandchildren, and, and particularly one granddaughter who's gone to the girls' school where the, you get to be advocates for yourself, and you're taught that. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know that was okay. I did, as I said, I was fortunate. I had parents that told me that, but the schooling I was getting was quite different. So I'd go there, and I'd be that square peg in the round hole all my, all my life. And for a long time, I didn't know I deserved to do that. I didn't know it was okay to be me. So I had a, a, a facade that was so false that I believed it for a long time. So, yeah, if I was talking to the young glory, I'd say, just believe in yourself and be yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's great advice for, um, you know, we have some younger listeners as well, because I think when you're a young girl and a young woman and, and trying to find whether it's your, you know, you have raging hormones going through your body at 16 or whether you're trying to find out what you want to do in your mid-20s, um, you know, believing in yourself is probably one of the most important things because if you don't believe in yourself, others won't. Yeah, we are taught unfortunately I think to be a little bit more people pleasers mm -hmm. than we we're Canadians yeah <laughs> and uh, we'll please the right people that we should be attracting if we are ourselves we'll attract uh, unfortunately the wrong people if we think we need to please everybody I used to think if I didn't please everybody I was failing um, now I don't yeah. but I really wish I could tell the young Gloria that and do that part again. Yeah. Who is your ideal client? Is it anybody and every, any, everybody with a pulse or is there a, is there a particular type of client? If you could have your perfect client, what would that look like? Um, I interview every single person that I meet and we have a hour, hour and a half discussion at the end of it. When that interview is finished on both sides, we decide if we feel that we can talk and, and immerse ourselves into planning. And when, I get, when we get finished doing a full financial plan, it is the most intimate relationship you're ever going to have with someone because we do look at everything, your health and your family situation and the dynamics. Um, of what's going on and I know more than your accountant or your doctor or your just your advisor and so if that compatibility isn't there um, um, I hope everyone's honest when they start working with me because I'm honest if I honestly feel there isn't a, an yeah. energy or honesty that's happening I don't work with them yeah. I didn't always do that and it was always it turned out to be a negative situation ultimately so honesty uh, has to prevail and if circumstances change like I've had a couple of clients that when they got remarried they married a completely different type of person and so that relationship died mm -hmm. because it changed yeah. 
Um, so I guess my ideal client is let's stay authentic and, and honest with each other. Yeah, and you had mentioned before too, um, you know, if which rang true to me because my, my personal trainer, Philip, he he always says to me, Tanya, you're my ideal client because he said you don't just practice what I teach you in the gym on your days off, you're still doing it. And I think as I would probably say that's no different that you had mentioned about accountability and going through the process and practicing, your clients have to practice the, what you preach because if your clients are, aren't, sorry, then what's the sense of you spending all of your time and their time in proceeding down this path of trying to reach financial freedom? <laughs> exactly. And I also tell my whole team that I'm working with, because I've got a nice young team that I'm working with, um, that we need to practice yes. what we preach. Otherwise, it shows up too. That's right. Yeah. And that goes back to that um, being authentic. Yeah. Gloria, what do you vow to yourself or what have you promised to yourself to either get where you're going or um, where you've come from? That I leave a mark and a legacy that can be continued. And I would, I'd would i almost given up about two years ago because I was really trying to find a succession plan and people that I could work with. And I really thought I was going to walk out the door, close my doors in my office and maybe not be able to support the clients of many years. And, you know, you, if you just keep seeking, and uh, I found the perfect solution, and I now find that I will leave that legacy, and, and the, what I've designed will continue, and we will influence the in financial industry right across Canada now. So this is amazing. Oh, I love that. You're, you are where you are meant to be today. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, Gloria, we like to spotlight um, our guest's charity of choice. Is there a charity that is near and dear to your heart that you'd like to spotlight today? Yeah, I happened upon it. I mean, I love the women's shelter, um, but this year um, did an event over at Soup Sisters, and I don't know oh, if anyone... I've never heard of that. Uh, oh, amazing. Um, cool experience for anyone. She works with the women's shelter, and you can gather some women together and and you pay a fee and then you go in and you make soup seven or eight cauldrons of soup during the night all the stuff is there people help you chop and and you talk in little pods and we sit down and you get to eat the soup but then we take the soup and we put it into containers and you hand label them all so when they're received at the women's shelter the soup's been made with loving hands and it's been hand um, it, it, just the labels being handwritten out as opposed to being commercial. They know that someone really thought about them and, and someone comes and tells us a little bit about the story and what the work is being done there. It's just, and so she started here in Calgary. They now have Broth Brothers, so there's a men's organization and they're right across Canada. So I strongly recommend that as a wonderful experience to, to get connected in a very lovely way, um, but really a, a neat way to, yeah. Oh, I love that. Soup Sisters mm -hmm. and Roth Brothers. Mm -hmm. Amazing. That sounds like a great team building event. It is. Do. Yes. Ooh, okay. We were just talking about that the other day. We need some ideas. Well, Gloria, thank you so much for coming in thank today you. and taking your time away from your life and your clients and your family to be here with us and to share your journey and your story. And I just feel very honored that you came. 
I feel honored to be asked. Thank you. Uh, and if you want to find more about Gloria and her company, it's mjwealth.ca. Thank you. Thanks, Gloria. to our podcast rate us if there's any suggestions you can make or feedback we would love to hear from you thanks for tuning in